This life-changing message has been brought to you by Shake the Nations Ministries. You are now listening to The Lord's Prayer. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 5. Probably one of the most preached, well-known passages of Scripture. It will have been preached far better than I am able But I pray tonight that just out of it, there will be a revelation that will lead us right into the holy presence and fire of God. Are you hungry tonight? How many know we need the word of God in this hour more than ever before? See, I don't want a revival without the preaching. You can't have a move of God without the word of God. It is the foundation. How many are ready for the word of God tonight? You know, the Bible says that God has prepared a table before our enemies. He has prepared tonight his word as a table. It has the fresh bread that you might have come in here and the enemy saying he's going to take you out. But God has prepared something for you that you can eat right before your enemies and be strong. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly and when you pray do not use vain repetition as the heathen do for they think they will be heard by their many words therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things which you have need of Before you even ask him, in this manner, everyone say manner, in this manner, therefore pray. Can everyone say it out loud? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread oh hallelujah and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever amen holy spirit lord would you illuminate your word tonight in every heart let it be like a fire let your word be like a hammer that breaks up the hard ground lord let there be a move of the holy ghost in this place lord show us how to enter into the holy of holies show us how to see your face 
in Jesus mighty name and the people of God shouted amen tonight I want to preach to you I want to preach to you more than just a fiery message the Holy Spirit has spoken to me so powerfully at the beginning of this year the Lord really dealt with my heart when God gives you a platform to speak to the nations it is vital that you listen to what God really wants to say in this hour this is not about three-point sermons this is not about you building your ministry and being on television what is God saying to the church what is he saying to you God really dealt with me and said, you must begin to equip my people and show them how to get to the place that you got in order to get what I gave you. You see, you need to understand that you have a destiny in God. You have a purpose. You are here for such a time as this. The Apostle Paul has come and he has gone. Smith Wigglesworth has come and gone. John G. Lake has come and gone. Some of the men that God has used in this generation are at such a age right now that they are winding down. But guess what? You are here. God chose you. He purposed you. Paul said in the word, he said that for those that he foreknew, he predestined. In other words, he foreknew you. He before, he knew you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You were on his mind. He made you with a purpose. He destined you. That which he pre-knew, he predestined. Now, I don't have time to go into that, but just to put it in a short phrase, God wrote your ending as your beginning. You see, the Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. When God is eternal, uh, when he made you, he gave you your destiny. He chose the path. He made a purpose for your life. That's why there is nobody in this room tonight that is an accident. He spoke to you while you were in your mother's womb. You're on his mind. People coming to the house of God like they're insignificant. You are not insignificant. You are chosen. Oh, I don't have time to go into this one, but... Until you realize that, you're going to live in a place where the devil will beat you up. We need in this hour to rise and to come to a place that we get over the fact that yes, we fail, but the blood of Jesus never fails. While ever the blood of Jesus is available, you are washed, you are cleansed, you are made righteous in Christ. Oh, you need to help me tonight. Come on, pull it out. Time to go deeper. 
time to go into a place with God that we are the church that are going to stand in this last hour in a darkness that is sweeping a generation. There is no generation in history that has ever faced what we are facing right now. What is happening in Israel, in the Ukraine, in Russia, this is it church. I don't know whether anybody's told you recently, this is it. It's time to wake up. We are standing in power. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's the reason God has purposed that we should live and breathe in this moment. When you realize that, you realize that it's not about what you want, it's about what he wants. That your life is not your own. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you gave away your life. That he might live through you. This is not a cakewalk. It's not some fairyland. This is real stuff. To be a Christian, you got to lay down your life that Christ might live through you. Jesus came. It always baffles me how Jesus took 12 nights to pray to choose 12 guys that were so, what seemed so wrong. How could you spend so long praying for 12 guys that were so ill-qualified? The Son of God prayed that he chose Judas. You ever thought about that? The Son of God prayed to the Father. He went to that secret place. He prayed to the Father to choose 12 guys that were not qualified. In fact, these guys were hard-working fishermen. And yet, they watched Jesus as he would come out of that secret place. He would go off. He would disappear all night. But when he came back, demons would tremble at the sound of his voice. I'm talking about 12 guys, 12 fishermen. They watched the rabbi, the one whom they called teacher. They watched him stand at the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he did, a dead man rose and walked out of that grave. See, I'm talking about, in today's world, I'm talking about 12 builders, 12 laborers, 12 guys that weren't in high, the echelons of social standing. They were just 12 guys with boldness, with rawness. They weren't the finished article, but they watched in the middle of their hour where they thought they were about to drown. They watched Jesus walk on the water right in the middle of that storm. They heard him as he said to the storm, peace. Be still. Twelve guys. But there's one thing that these guys were not. They weren't stupid. They noticed something. They noticed that every time Jesus would go to that place, when he came out, he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. They weren't stupid. They knew that suddenly Jesus came out of that place. They said, where have you been? He said, I've been with my father. But when he did, 
Miracles began to break out. Wherever he would go, wherever he would preach, they would hear that voice speak and they would watch as the blind saw, the lame walked. I mean miracles breaking out. See, ah, uh, you know today we give preachers too much credence. See, we put preachers on a pedestal. We don't realize the greatest preacher you've ever heard. It wasn't him preaching. It was the Holy Ghost. It was Jesus preaching through him. You see, there was no one like Jesus. There was no one that could preach like Jesus. Only Jesus on a seven-mile stretch of road, the road to Emmaus, could walk with his disciples. And in seven miles, he revealed every shadow and typology of the foreshadow of his coming. He revealed who he was, his reign. He revealed his coming in a seven-mile stretch stretch of road so much so that the disciples said don't leave us abide with us only Jesus could break bread and as he broke bread the Bible says they beheld him in other words the supernatural glory that was on him was revealed to 12 guys 12 guys that sent as though they were nobody What I love about these guys, the disciples, is the Bible says that as they witness the glory of God, as they witness Jesus Christ move in such power and authority, they did something that I long to hear a cry today. They were not stupid. They said, Lord, whatever you're doing in that place, Whatever you're doing, when you depart from the crowds and you're alone with the Father, whatever you do in that place, teach us. Show us. Reveal to us. See, my friend, today as a young evangelist, it breaks my heart because the church is becoming more carnal. The church wants to be carnal in order to appeal a carnal world. We want to look like the world. We want to sound like the world. In order, we think, to appeal to the world, we need to look like them, sound like them, appear that we're modern, that we're relevant. And the problem is, that is a carnal understanding of something that is a spiritual fight. You can't fight something spiritual with a carnal understanding. You see, let me tell you right now, I love lights, I love guitars, don't love the smoke machines, but hey, I've been in churches with so much smoke machine, I couldn't even see my feet. But you see, that's not where the power is. It's not in the style. You can be the most relevant, modern-looking church on the planet, and there's more power in a local street down the road. You see, this is not a carnal fight. That which is gripping your life, that miracle you need, is not going to be attained with a carnal understanding. This is a spiritual fight. You have to fight it in a spiritual way. It's not with lights. It's not with nice carpets. It's by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says it is the anointing that breaks, that breaks the yoke. 
You see, you got to get to a place where you realize that all the stuff that's going on in your life, nothing's ever going to change while you function in the natural. You got to get to a place where you turn the TV off. You say to that guy, you say to that woman, you say to that friend, listen, I can't hang with you right now. I can't hang with you right now because I need a supernatural breakthrough. And I ain't going to get it from you. You can tap me on the back. You can tell me I'm the best thing since sliced bread. You can tell me you understand, but you don't. The only way I need a breakthrough is I got to say to God, I got to go before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. How to pray. Teach me how to get in that place where that anointing starts to manifest. See, I don't want a conference just called Fire Fall. I want the fire. Keep your conference, give me the fire. But you see, the fire of God doesn't just fall because we all just say, This is Fire Fall. See, God is a God of order, He is a God of process. You see, people think that God somehow changes his mind. God never changes his mind. What he does, he has always done and he will always do. But he does it with order. He does it with process. There are no shortcuts. There are no side steps because you're special. You have to seek God how every other man and woman has sought the Lord. If you want the anointing, if you want a breakthrough, it's not about the next big preacher coming into town. It's about you arriving in a place in your life where you say, God, this house, my life, this church, my family, teach us. Teach us. See, what I love about the Lord, that's what he can do. If you will yield to him, he'll teach you. See, when I started on this journey, I didn't have a clue. I still don't have a clue. But all I ever did was say, Lord, lead me. Teach me. I want your presence. I want your anointing. I want your fire on my life. God, if you send me, I will go. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll be there. The Lord had a way of taking those guys aside, looking them in the eye, teaching them about the pearl of great price. He spoke to them about the five foolish and the five wise virgins that didn't have enough oil in their laps to see them through the night hour. He taught them about the one that sowed seed into good soil and the enemy came in the night while men slept and sowed tears. He revealed to them eschatology. That is the, the theology of, of destiny, of judgment, where you will go for your eternal soul. He revealed to them the kingdom. You wouldn't believe how many people are in church today that don't know anything because they've never sought the Lord. They are immature. God is calling us to a maturity in Christ. You can't be just in and out, up and down. People said something wrong and now you're leaving the church. People like that, they need their nappy changed. They don't need an anointing. It's time for us to step up, be counted, to come to that place where we realize we can't do this on our own. We need the supernatural power of God on our lives. Can I go deeper? Can I go deeper? 
Are you ready? You see, what I love about the Lord is the first thing he told the disciples is not how to pray. He told them how not to pray. He said, don't be like the heathen. Don't be like those that want to be seen. They want to be heard. And somehow they think that they're going to impress God by what they say and how they say it. See, my friend, I'm telling you right now, you're never going to impress God. It's not how you say. You don't need special vocabulary. Just open your heart. Open your heart. You see, the thing is this. God already knows what you want, how you want it, and when you need it. Before you even ask, God is not looking for information. He's looking for communication. Some said, somebody look to your left and say, are you ready? Are you ready? You ready? Okay. Jesus said, when you pray, don't use vain repetition. Question, why when Jesus said, do not use repetition, did he give us a prayer that we recite all the time? Some of you didn't get that. Why when Jesus said, when you pray, don't use recitals. Don't use something that you think is going to impress me. Something that you recite in order to, to pray unto a God that hears you. Why then did he give us what seems to be a recital? People in church today stand every Sunday and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. It's a recital. The problem is this. Jesus wasn't giving them a, a, a recital. Jesus was giving them a revelation. Jesus was not teaching you a recital. He was trying to reveal to you a revelation. What Jesus was seeking to do was to open your eyes on how to enter in to the presence of God. See, tonight I want to show you something. And if you will grasp it, if you will hear it, it will change your life forever. You see, Jesus did not give them a recital. He gave them a blueprint of how to enter into the presence and the glory of God. You see, Jesus said, when you pray in this manner, you see that word manner changed my life. I'd never seen it before. You see, that word manner literally means order, pattern, structure. Jesus wasn't giving you something to you, for you to recite so you feel holy. He was giving you a revelation of how to enter in to the presence of God. He said, when you pray in this manner, in this order, in this structure, I'm about to give you a revelation of how to enter into all that God has for your life. Is anybody here tonight? Are you ready? See, the problem is so many people feel like they can't pray, like somehow they're not worthy. But you see, tonight, there's no point fire falling if you don't have to enter in to that presence, to that place where God can give you a revelation about your life. 
until you see yourself the way he sees you, you will forever be defeated. Until you understand that all your insecurities and all those things that people have spoken of your life, that they were not the voice of God, that they were not how you are, that you shouldn't believe those lies. Until you arrive in that place where you know how to enter in to that place, you'll never see yourself the way God sees you. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. You see, for you to call God Father means that you're in the family. To say our Father is to say, God, I'm in the family name. You see, oh, I, don't, I don't know whether I have time for this one. But you see, to understand that you're in the family of God, you need to understand that you have an inheritance. That the blood of Jesus has given you an inheritance and you have it by right. You see, the blood of Jesus purchased your salvation. He gave you an inheritance. The Bible says that we are heirs of salvation. Maybe one night I'll go into salvation, but I don't have time tonight. The Bible says that you are heirs of God. The Bible says that you are joint heirs with... Oh, that was weak. I'm trying this side. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with... With who? Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't sit in my seat when I say things like that. We are joint heirs with Christ. That's why Jesus said, such as I have, I give unto all power and authority has been given unto me. Now I give it unto you. Go into all the world. Our father says that I am a son, I am a daughter, I come by my inheritance and I have it by right. Ah, uh, some of you are arguing with the devil. You don't have to argue with the devil over what's already yours by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus said, when you, when you pray, why didn't he come in the same way that he revealed to the children of Israel? Why wasn't it a prayer like this? El Eloen, El Shaddai, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Siddiquinu. Why, why wasn't it Elohim? Why wasn't it Jehovah Jireh? Why our... You see, when the children of Israel approached the Lord, they had to approach him at a distance. They approached him through the shedding of God's blood. They approached him in a way that if they were not right, they would literally fall dead. If the priest was found with any sin in his life, when he went through the veil, he would be struck dead. They would drag him out with something tied around his ankle. But Jesus was trying to tell you that because I shed my blood, 
Because I was the sacrificial lamb, now I'm going to take you in. You enter as a child of God. You enter as a son and a daughter of the Most High King, an heir of salvation, a joint heir with Christ. You can approach the throne of grace with boldness. People normally this quiet in Georgia. <laughs> are you are you normally this quiet? <laughs> Am I in a Pentecostal firefall revival tonight? <laughs> Some of you are looking like the frozen chosen right now. You need to warm yourselves up. you don't come as some stranger you come with a right the enemy can't stop it was when you're washed in the blood of Jesus you come as a joint heir with Christ you approach the father not as a stranger but as a son and a daughter of the most high God you are a child chosen an heir My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's why the devil hates it. Jesus said, when you come, you come as our Father. Why didn't he say, when you pray? He said, pray on your own, but when you pray. Why didn't he say, my Father? Why our Father? You see, I want to show you something. When I say Father, I look up as a son. When I say our father, I embrace you. You see, you can't go before God with a single mindset. You must come to a place where you have a, a sacrificial life. A place that when you say our father, you see so many of you are trying to pray to God to manipulate a situation that your blinkers think it's all about you. When God is trying to use somebody in your life that you won't embrace. Oh, that's good preaching right there. See, sometimes we limit God. We don't come as our father. We come with me, mine, and the shopping list. But you see, God doesn't want your shopping list. He doesn't want your list of the do's and the don'ts and the how. God, I'm God, if you knew what they'd done to me. God doesn't want your woes. He wants to teach you how to enter into that place where he might speak unto you. Sometimes God has had to open my eyes. When I enter the presence of God, I don't have to go in with my blinkers thinking it's all about me. It's not my father. It's our father. I need to understand that God loves you just as much as he loves me. That God has a plan for his body, not just for my ministry. We need to understand that as we enter the presence of God at Firefall, we enter as our See, 
Satan wants you to enter already groveling like somehow God's going to beat you over the head. He already wants to limit your faith that before you enter into the presence, your mind is already distorted with the fact that somehow everyone else can enter and you can't. Somehow they're going to get a miracle but you don't. You see, so many people pray to God out of their condition rather than their position. You see, some of you tonight came to Firefall and you actually came out of your condition rather than the position which God has given you. You see, you can be in a pig pen but still be a son. Oh, some of you don't get that. You can be in the pig pen of this world. You can be so broken. You could have messed up so bad. And you don't realize the devil tells you, you can't go back. Don't you show your face. The father will not be waiting for you. Look how you messed up. And you see, the enemy wants you to pray or to plead out of a position, a, a condition, rather than your position. You see, the blood says, yeah, you messed up, but my blood will wash you. All you got to do is come as you are. Humble yourself. Allow the blood to wash you wider than snow. It's not your condition. It's your position. Our Father. Somebody give God a mighty shout of praise. I'm not an orphan. I'm not wandering around alone all by myself. There's a place that I have in God that I enter in to the Holy of Holies as a son and daughter of the living God. I stand there by right. Oh, I can't move from this right now. You see, an inheritance is given by your blood name. Oh. <laughs> An inheritance cannot be taken away from you while ever your bloodline says it is yours. You see, the will is always the one that sets what is going where and how it goes. You see, the will is the will of a testator. It means that whoever his name is written on that will, it is theirs. And it is theirs by right. You see, the blood says that I am washed, I am healed, I am delivered, I am born again. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am a child of God washed in the blood of Jesus. No devil can stop it. I said no devil in hell can stop it. See, we sing about the veil being torn, but we live like it's still up. See, see this line right here? If we were in the temple, you'd never cross that. You'd never get to that place. You might be in the courts where they praise, but you'd never get into the Holy of Holies. You see, what the blood did, the blood removed the veil. 
he removed that place and it said where you would have died where you would have stepped in and died my blood is going to cover you you see when the devil looks at you he doesn't see you he sees the one who lives inside of you he sees the one who reigns as king of kings and lord of lords his blood his blood reflects the mercy and the grace our somebody shout hallelujah Can I go deeper? I said, can I go deeper? Our Father, who art in heaven. You see, I used to think that that was God's position, was God's place. See, when I said, our Father, who art in heaven, I used to think that that's where he is. But you see... If Jesus was trying to get you to pray his location, that would be false. Because the Bible says, where can I go that your spirit is not there? I could ascend into the heavens, but you are there. I could uh, descend into the depths, but you are there. You see, if art in heaven means where God is, that would be a lie. Because God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. When you say God is here, he can be there. He can be up there. He can be down there. There's nowhere that his presence cannot touch. Who art in heaven is not his geographical place. It's his supreme power. Can I go deeper? See, until you know who you're praying to, you'll never enter into that place where God can give you a breakthrough. See, so many of you, you don't realize who art in heaven is the reign of our God. See, our God's not trying to reign. He doesn't need you to tell him to reign. You see, our God is God all by himself. He needs no one to tell him he's God. He needs no one to try and satisfy a need to prove his own worth. He is God all by himself. He is supreme. He is the high. The Bible says that he is enthroned in the heavens. The Bible says that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. You see, when Isaiah saw the Lord, it says he saw the Lord high. And you see, until God is in his rightful place in your life, there'll always be chaos. Can I show you something? When a judge enters the courtroom, everyone stands. But when the judge is seated, the court is now in order. See, the problem is, some of you read, but you don't live. Until you put God seated in the rightful place in your life, there'll never be the order that God brings. You see, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His word says he is seated in heavenly places. When the Lord is seated, there is order in your life. When I say our Father who arts in heaven, I put God in that place in my life that he has the final say. 
Oh, can I? <laughs> no, you're not going to like me. Some of you who can't put your life under a pastor think that you can put your life under God. People that can't come under authority, you think that you're going to come up to the place where God is in his rightful place in your life. See, we're not in a democracy. This is the kingdom of God. It is the king's domain. Many of us want the blessing, but we don't want God seated in his rightful place in our lives. When we say, our Father who art in heaven, we don't realize that we're saying, God, we want you in your rightful place. We want you to have the final say. This is not me manipulating a situation and saying this is God. This is God seated on the throne of my life. He is seated in his rightful place. You know, oh, I don't know where to go into this. <laughs> see, until you see him high and lifted up, the Bible says that Isaiah said, and he's, the train of his robe filled the temple. You see, in Isaiah's day, the length of the king's robe determined the size of his kingdom. When Isaiah saw the robe and it filled the temple, what he said is, this is a kingdom like no other. This is a kingdom where his power has no end. This is a kingdom that shall never be defeated. This is a kingdom of supreme power and authority. The train of his robe. But you see, if his robe filled the temple, why is it not filling your life? You gotta let go. You gotta yield. You gotta let God have his rightful place. How a father who art in heaven brings you to a place that you can't enter the presence of God. You don't run in with your shopping list. You have to recognize who he is and how he reigns. That he is your father, but he's not a God to be trifled with. He's not a God that is mocked. He is not a God. He is a holy God. He is in his rightful place. This is the kingdom of God. It's not about you. It's not your kingdom. It's not your enterprise. It's his kingdom. You must bring your life to that place where you say, our Father, who art, who art in heaven. People come to the house of God. They sit there every week. But nothing ever happens. People come to me and say, the power of God's not real. I've been here a week. People getting touched all around me. I said, God touched me, but no one ever touches me. But what they don't realize is they never put God in his rightful place. See, you don't get to do a deal with God. Like, God, if you touch me, then I'll give you my all. See, people say, God, if you do this, like God is a God on a string. 
But you see, if you want the power of God to break out in this conference, you must put God in his rightful place in your life. You got to realize who arts in heaven that at his, the breath of his nostrils, nations are destroyed. You need to understand that when God speaks, the stars and the galaxies are held there by his word. And yet, we don't allow his word to take its rightful place in our lives. We don't want to enter into the Holy of Holies. We don't want to go there because we don't want to let go. See, my friend, you can't say our Father who art in heaven and still be in the bars and the clubs, still be rolling around with that woman that you just won't let go. You can recite the prayer all you want, but it will be a powerless one. Until God is in his rightful place, until you can say in the presence of God, our Father who art in heaven, who art in my life, who is Lord, who is King, my life is not my own, it is yours and yours alone. Then you'll never see the fire of God. Hallowed be thy name. He's holy. My friends, some of this gospel that's preached today, it is an abomination. Some of the messages today that are preached that are telling the church there is no hell, that a God of love, how could there be a hell? There are preachers saying to the church today that somehow that when you give your life to Christ, you can live like the world, you can smell like the world, you can do what the world does and Jesus is just going to usher you in. That is a lie of hell. It is an abomination before God. Hallowed be. Hallowed be thy name. See, my friend, if you could come to that place where God is in his rightful place, when God is Lord of your life, I want to tell you the first thing you'll do is fall to your knees. People think that they're going to come bounding into the glory of God like, look at me. My friend, you don't know what you're about to do. You don't know who you're about to meet. You don't know. You will fall on your face. Hallowed be thy name. Did you know that the children of Israel many times were afraid to say the name of God just in case they spoke it in vain? I know people that chop their finger in the cupboard and go, Jesus. Let me tell you, when God came to Moses, he said, do not take my name in vain. Somebody think that that's just profanity. But you know what true, the true meaning of taking God's name in vain? is to use his name without cause. See that name on your lips, devils tremble. That name on your lips. I was in a field one time, 20,000 people, thousands of them were demon possessed. 
the Lord said to me, when you get on that pulpit, don't you introduce yourself. You open your mouth and say my name. I began to scream the name of Jesus as loud as I could. I mean like a desperate guy. I just gripped the pulpit and I opened this big English mouth of mine and I started screaming, Jesus! Jesus! Suddenly, I saw a hole appear in the crowd. It's like God, the power of God just, he swept his hand over one section of the crowd. People were rolling everywhere. Out of the crowd began hundreds of people crawling on their knees, crawling on their faces. Some of them were eating grass, so demonized, so bound by the devil. I saw demons running out of that crusade with ushers sprinting after them. You see, what happened was, is that those devils were hidden. They, they were hidden, but something exposed them. And it wasn't a preacher. It was a name that they cannot ignore. It was a name that they already know is Lord of all. They know that name. It is a hallowed name. It is a name that is above every other name. It is the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord of all. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Oh, you can do better than that, Georgia. Give Jesus a shout of praise. See, are you getting something out of this? Is this okay? It's not too late. See, I'm trying to show you what took me 10 years. You see, in my ministry, I began to let God reign in his place. You see, when I'm in service, is there any evangelists in here? Evangelists, listen to me. While ever you make the service about you, the Spirit of God will lift. See, too many preachers are so unaware about the glory of God that they make the service about them. They make it about you. See, when you enter the, this place, you need to realize this is all about him. Every word you speak must reflect his glory. When you're preaching in his word, it's all about him. It's not about you. It's about his presence. It's about his name. It's about his reign. Who art in heaven. I put him over this service. I allow him to take his rightful place. Whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, I want to show you something. Hallowed be your name will always bring you to your knees, but it will always cause you to open your mouth. You see, if our Father is the person who art in heaven is his position, then hallowed be your name is his praise. Some of you didn't get that. If our Father is the person who art in heaven is his position, then hallowed be your name is his praise. See, I want to show you something about praise. I know Lydia spoke on it, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But let me show you something about praise. Praise is not a feeling. 
Praise is not an emotion. Praise is a decision. When the devil came against Jesus, he said, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all of this. I'll give you the kingdoms. Jesus said, thou shalt only worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou worship. That wasn't a feeling. It was a decision. See, some of you come defeated because you came tonight and once again you want to worship. <laughs> you want to worship out of your condition. Rather than your, you don't worship because you feel like it. You worship because you realize who he is, how he reigns, and his name is hallowed. See, I want to show you something. I got to show you this. I promise I'm going to be quiet in a moment. But you see, you don't realize that I'm not just preaching to you tonight. I'm preaching to the heavenlies. I'm preaching that the atmosphere will break open. See, I'm, I'm in a wrestle right now. You see, I'm contending for the faith. I'm contending for his presence. You see, once you know how to go in, you can lead others in. Oh. Such as I have, I give to you. Oh. You can't give what you don't You can't give what you don't have. See, I want to show you something. David put the glory of God and pitched it under a one-room tent. Now, in David's dispensation, you would have died if you would have put the glory of God in a one-room tent. You see, when David entered that tent, it never speaks that David sprinkled blood. There was no brazen altar. There was no showbread. There were none of the things that God had commanded in order to enter his presence. And somehow David entered into the glory of God under a one-pitched tent without a sacrifice, without shed blood, without a brazen altar, without a labor, without the showbread. None of it. But there was something that seemed to cover. See, the Bible says that David entered in with praise. And the Bible says that that praise that caused David to be covered as he entered into a place where the name of God was hallowed, he entered in. And the Bible says and calls it the key of David. I don't need to tell you that a key is what opens. Oh. Hallowed be thy name. You see, I want to show you something. So far, as Jesus mentioned one time that you need a miracle. Has Jesus one time told the disciples, now you ask what you need? You see, we've not even asked God for one thing yet. If this was a letter, all we've done is put our na his name and his address on the envelope. But you see, I've learned something about getting into the glory and the presence of God. 
Your ears need to hear who you're praying to and how he reigns and his name. You see, so far, do you've not asked God for a new car. You've not asked God for a miracle. You've not asked God because you've got no money. You've got no food in your pantry. All you've done so far is tell him who he is and how he reigns. And you bowed at his name. You see, that many times will be enough to lift you up and give you something. You see, when you start to tell yourself who he is and how he reigns and the power of his name, suddenly sickness can't enter the place where you're about to go. You know Delia Knox? You know that miracle? You know what happened that night? She stepped into the place where that thing could no longer hold her in a wheelchair. You understand? She entered into a place where God reigned. That's what I'm praying tonight. That his glory fills this place this weekend. Our Father, who art in heaven, who is supreme, who is our healer, our deliverer, our strong tower, where the righteous run in and they are saved. When your ear begins to hear, when your ear begins to hear, who he is, it causes you to rise up and to take hold of that name. You see, there are many times that the devil will tell you what you are not. He'll tell you why it's not going to happen. But the thing is, is if you learn how to enter into that place where you tell the Father who arts in heaven and you begin to praise that holy name, that thing that has held you back, it can't go where you're about to go. It can't reign where you're about to step because where he reigns, everything is under his feet. Where he reigns, his word is final. The Bible says that by his stripes we are Somebody give God a mighty shout of praise. I don't have time for this. What in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, if you can let God get your life to that place, you're ready for the kingdom to come. If the Holy Ghost can bring you to that place, then you're ready for the kingdom to come. Oh, the kingdom. A kingdom of power. See, when I learned 
how to enter the presence. You can never come out of the presence without the kingdom. It's a kingdom of power. Only God can have a kingdom that is so vast, so powerful, you can't measure it. And yet, the kingdom of God can appear in the place with a blinking of an eye. Only God could have a kingdom without no end. And in one call on his name, he can bring the kingdom right where you are. Only God can have a kingdom that can reign in the heavens. But in Georgia tonight, at one request, he can bring the kingdom of power right to your life in the splinking of an eye. Thy kingdom come. Let the power come. How we need the kingdom to come in our lives and our ministries. That kingdom that says to the blind, see and they see. The kingdom of God that says to Satan, your power is broken. Get out of here. And he has to go. I'm talking about a kingdom that two men are in jail. Oh, I love this. Peter is in a prison house. Silas is in a prison house. See, the problem with the devil is this. God once told me this. I love it. God said, never forget, the devil is a creation. He's not a creator. He always makes a mistake. See, that's why the Bible says that no temptation has overtaken you. That God has not already made a way of escape. You see, whatever the devil brings to you, he always makes a mistake. Because he never accounts for the supernatural kingdom of God. Uh, <laughs> you see, you might be under attack. But you better realize, you might be in a prison cell, but you better realize that whatever the devil's tried to pin you in, whatever he's tried to lock up the door, he makes a mistake. You see, the problem it was, is it wasn't that Peter and Silas were in the jail cell. It was the fact that the devil allowed them to be in the same cell together. You see... If he would have known what Jesus said when he said where two or three are gathered together in my name, I shall be. You see... The devil's mistake was when one said to the other, I know we're beat up. I know we're in a jail cell, but I just feel something stirring inside of me. I know what it is. Let's just begin to praise. Let's just start to open our mouths. And you see, what the devil didn't realize is, is that where two of them were gathered, the kingdom was about to break through. You see, when the kingdom comes, the Bible says that heaven shook the foundations of that jail. Not only they came out, but every prisoner that was in that jailhouse came out with them. You see... See, my friend, 
What I'm trying to tell you is, Jesus said, I'm going to show you how to get into him. I'm going to show you how to get to that place. Because if you get to that place, there's no prison house strong enough. There's no jail cell. There's no bondage. My God. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There is no stronghold that will stand when my kingdom shall come. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, kingdom come. We pray that this message will help you be never the same again. For more information, for more of our latest resources, you can visit us at shakethenations.com. We hope to hear from you. God bless you.